My name is Tim Anderson, and I'm the Director of Youth and Outreach here at ECC, and welcome to Youth Sunday. This is such a cool opportunity that we have as a church to celebrate, again, what God's doing in our kids and in our teens' ministries. And my hope and my prayer today is simple, that you see Jesus better today. That's it. That you don't see teen-led worship, that you don't see me, that you don't see Holly and Owen, they share in a little bit. You see Jesus. That's what I want for you today, and that's my prayer. I wanted to take a, a quick minute or two to explain how we got on this topic. Uh, a few months back, Chris and I were having our monthly meetings, and we were talking about this idea of a youth Sunday, of a Sunday where we wanted to dedicate, let loose, so to speak, our teens, giving them platforms for leadership and to share. And uh, this kind of builds on one of the pillars that we have as a church. We talk about this uh, quite frequently here, that one of the things that we want to strive to do as a church is to pass a brightly lit torch on to the next generation. So we're going to see some of that today. I pray that you're encouraged by it. And so we, we penciled in June 1st, Youth Sunday. And so right off the bat, we approached our high schoolers specifically, uh, wanting their ownership on today. And, I, and we approached, we started programming one Wednesday, and we said this. We said, guys, gals, teens, if you could say one thing, you have the platform today to share. What one thing would you want to share to Christians, to your friends, to your family, to the church? What's that one thing? And a really good discussion follows. Pretty cool. But out of the discussion, a, a theme started emerging and building momentum. And to paraphrase, here's what our teens said. They said that our faith, that our pursuit to follow Jesus Christ should be the most public thing about us. That our faith was never meant to be exclusively inward. Okay, so we got our theme. Then we needed a title. Chris does such a good job with really good titles. We're like, okay, what are we, how are we going to capture this? And Micah, I don't know if Micah's here today. Micah here, he's not here. He raises his hand, one of our freshmen, he says, I got it. How about this? Nothing personal. How cool is that? Well, faith in Jesus Christ, and we had someone at, at, at 9 o'clock, Becca Johnson, one of our teens, confirm her faith today. And while your faith in Jesus Christ starts inward, it starts as a heart response to the work of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't end here. It's not meant to be inward. And here's a couple of verses that I want to share as we dive into this today that get at this idea. And I could have, I could have listed a lot more. Here are just four of many that get to this idea of a public faith, not keeping it personal. James 2.18 says this, But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. 1 John 3.18 says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Matthew 5.14, and this is Jesus speaking here. Jesus saying, You are, we are the light of the world, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Paul in Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This idea, this theme has me thinking. Recently, my wife was at a, a local festival of sorts uh, in my neighborhood in South Minneapolis. And um, I'm from, I live in the Powderhorn Park uh, community, which honestly is one of the most diverse places on the planet. It, it's a remarkable place from that standpoint. And there was this festival of sorts that 
started with a parade about a mile down the road, and it ended at the park and around the park. Vendors could set up shop, and they could promote local neighborhood art, clubs, activities, ideas. Here's what Emily saw <clears throat> as she walked and took Wes to check this out. Vendor one, Buddhism. Vendor two, I don't know the name, new age, spiritual, find your own inner God thing. Vendor three, pagan pride. Kid you not, that was a, that was a title. Pagan pride. Vendor four, anarchists of America. They have a home at Potterhorn Park. They're always there. Right down the line, you could find any worldview, any idea, any philosophy you wanted to find except for one, Jesus Christ was nowhere to be found in the most diverse place in the metro. And that has me thinking back in the New Testament, there's a guy by the name of Paul in Acts 17 who found himself in, in the city of Athens, which was very similar, very diverse. And he was going around the city and he was seeing all these gods and goddesses and idols set up. And it was lacking one voice, Jesus Christ. And he finds this unknown God that he eventually creates a sermon to find that voice because it was missing. And he claimed it. And I think, as I think about it, I think Christianity today, Christians today, we found ourselves in a similar place. We've lost our voice. We've lost our voice. And to catch this, I asked my teens a, a while back, a, a, some of them, to name off some of the labels that's been placed on them. Classmates, uh, culture at large. Here was a list of what Christians are perceived by other people. Christians are judgmental. Christians are goody-two-shoes. Christians are weird. Christians are hypocrites. Christians are intolerant. Christians are too political. Christians are, one of our teens, Katie, has a nickname church at her school. We're known for church. Christians are anti-fill-in-the-blank. Whatever, whatever stance issue you want to put in there. That list says it all. Perception is reality, and I hope we don't agree with how that defines us. But that's the reality. That's what we're up against. And somewhere, you know, somewhere, somewhere, um, somehow along the line, people have disassociated Christians with Jesus Christ. At least 20 years ago, I mentioned this at the first service, DC Talk had this label of Jesus freak. 20 years ago, at least we had Jesus in, in this mix. At least they got us right for something. That's not the case anymore. They don't even associate Christians with Jesus. We're not Jesus freaks anymore. That's what we're perceived to be. What a scary place to be. So what's happened? And a lot of things have happened. But I think one of them is that our faith has gone inward. And Jesus Christ has stayed inward. And as a result, what comes out instead of Jesus has been a set of issues, a set of politics, a set of, uh, a set of stances that oftentimes don't look much like Jesus. Practice it, and it actually worked well at the 9 o'clock service. See if we can do this right. We haven't done this in a couple weeks, month and a half. Ready? Are we ready? He is risen. risen. Yes. Come on. If that's the case, if that's the case, then Jesus doesn't belong here. He doesn't belong here. That gospel message compels us, should compel us, to bring it out to the ends of the earth. If he is risen, indeed. I'm going to share, I'm going to bring up Holly and Olivia to share. Uh, if you don't know Holly and Olivia, you should get to know them. They are two of our awesome teen ladies. 
And what they're going to do here is they're going to share a little bit about themselves, who they are, what God's been doing in their life, what God is doing right now in their life. And I want you to soak it in and pay attention because I think what they are going to share gets at the very heart of this issue. So take it away. All right. Um, just a little bit about myself before I start. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Olivia Nimitz, but people here call me O. Um, I'm at the end of my junior year at Monsey High School. I sing in the choir, and I like to um, play guitar and piano and hang out with my friends. So that's me in a nutshell. Um, so if you had told me about a year or two ago that I'd be sitting up here in front of all of you giving my testimony, I would have said, no way, that's not happening. Because in my mind, I didn't, I didn't think I would be sharing my testimony because I didn't really think God could change me at all. And um, I didn't see the value in myself. And I was at a really dark spot in my life. I woke up every morning. I looked in the mirror. I hated what I saw. And um, I heard these little voices in my head like, you're not good enough. And everyone started asking about college and my future. And I just didn't know. And I was lost. And I said, my life's not going anywhere, and I believed all these lies, and I knew they were lies, but I couldn't help that they were coming into my head, and um, so I didn't really think my faith should be more than personal, because in my mind, like, who was I to tell anybody else about my faith or about Jesus, because I wasn't good enough, and who was I to tell people how to live their life or anything because my life was like falling apart and no one really knew because on the outside I was smiling, I was laughing, having a good time, but on the inside I was just really torn apart and broken and no one really knew. And um, it was just a really hard time for me and then I had people come around me and I, I came to this realization like, hey, I'm, I'm not alone in this and um. I realize a simple fact that we are all broken. Whether you've gone through trials or you're going through it now or you will go through it, like everyone is facing things in their life and it's certainly um, just something that everyone faces. And I, I had feared that people would look at me differently if I was this broken person and then I would just be judged for that and have these labels put on me and everything. Um, and then I realized that I'm not alone. I praise Jesus because I've come to this realization that I'm not alone in the struggles I'm facing, and the devil can't have that strong grip of fear on me anymore because I've realized those insecurities have made me who I am, who I'm, is the person that is sitting here today, and it's really important. And um, I just I pray that my life can be a testimony to other people that even if you're going through things, that you're not alone in those struggles. And um, out of those things, it's not the end, and God can bring joy out of those situations. Hi, um, I'm Holly Peterson. I am uh, finishing up my freshman year at Irondale High School. Um, I like music and choir, and I was in cross-country skiing for the first time. Um, <laughs> that was strange. Um, but um, 
And uh, so that's, that's me in a nutshell. And um, so I have a friend at school. I've been friends with her for four years about now. And she is, she's so, she's so mature for age. She does not act like a freshman at all. She is, she is a varsity runner and a varsity skier. And she, um, she's a great chef. She's, she's just absolutely hilarious. And everyone loves her and looks up to her. And she's, she's just so mature for age. Um, and, and in the four years I've known her, um, I've, I've just kind of watched her, her kind of develop lots of these talents. And it's, it was really exciting just to see like a close friend who's just like, she, she's just blossoming into a, into a wonderful, wonderful example. Um, but uh, two summers ago, um, she and I were sitting in a hammock at a birthday party I think it was, and she was telling me about an experience she had at a summer camp, and how she had really come to know Jesus in a new way, and it was, it was so exciting, because it was like, she's, she has all these talents, and this, she's just so, so special, and now this is all being channeled into a great relationship with God, and we've, we've been praying for her, and, um, to come to know Christ, and now she had, and it was great, but then, um, two Christmases ago, or, sorry, this Christmas, um, she and I were kind of just having, like, a Christmas, like, prep hangout sort of like we were just baking cookies and decorating the tree and stuff and um she was telling me about how she had how she now didn't want anything to do with god and now and how god had left her when she was in a really really hard situation um for someone of our age and it was it was kind of frustrating to hear that because it's like god why didn't you reveal yourself to her in a way that was like that would like keep her hooked like what, what was wrong like why couldn't you just show up and keep her there and um and and some of the, our other friends knew that too. Some of other her other Christian friends, and um, that, that was hard to see. Um, but and also because we know that she she's been struggling with depression and anxiety since we met her, and she's really good at hiding because she's just she's so happy and everyone loves her, and you don't really know until like you get to know her on a deeper level. Um, and so we we're like, she needs Jesus. Like we all need Jesus, but she needs Jesus, and. Um, we kind of put ourselves in this little pedestal above her, like we're we're the Jesus people. We we just we got to get her on the Jesus train, and and yeah, we're good Christians and all. And and then we're, we kind of started to realize, like, wait, wait a second, like we have all this brokenness and all these struggles and stuff. And then it started to be like insecurities, like how how can we help her? Like how can we how can we be good good examples of Christ to her and because now we realize that we're broken. Like, how how can a broken person help another broken person? Um, and so then this past month, um, we discovered that she's been um, struggling with self-harm and cutting, and that was, it, it was so, that was, that really hurt to hear that, like, we, we thought that things might be, like, getting better, because, like, we were, we were trying to, like, love on her and, and help her, but, no, it just seemed to get worse, and then she was hospitalized for it, and we, we started getting really worried and discouraged, um, and it, before then, we had gone, to, or they had gone to talk to a dean, some of her other Christian friends, and, um, they, when they were talking to the dean, the dean said, don't, don't address it because like self-harm is sort of a way of getting, getting attention sometimes. So you don't want to, them to see that as like a source of that, um, source of attention. And so but we were like, wait a second, no, we need to be proactive. We need to be like, like talking it out and doing the teenage girl thing and like saying, no, like this is, this is a better way. And again, we were, we were thinking of ourselves as like, oh, the Christian friends who are like on the, on the pedestal above her. And, um, but then more and more it, it's, 
hearing that we we just need to love her and we just need to pray for her and we just need to need to be be love on her like like she needs to be loved and it it just it just seems like that will make a difference and it just seems like oh like how how is that supposed to work when do we say the right thing when like how do we do this right without possibly harming the situation more so that's the journey that we're walking still but yeah say thank you i hope what you see uh out of one of many things is a vulnerability here and so let's give a round of applause both of you. Awesome job. i think that um oh and and holly get at the heart of this issue and thank you again for being open to share it with us. Uh, there's a place for you to write this in your notes if you're note-takers. I believe wholeheartedly that our enemy's game plan is simple, that fear and doubt are the enemy's best weapons in keeping our faith personal. Fear and doubt, that's what it comes down to. That's what it boils down to. And Olivia shared about fear. Fear cripples people. Fear cripples people. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of not being accepted, fear about being teased, about being bullied, about losing your job, fear of losing a relationship, fear of disappointing God for not doing the right thing. Fear cripples people, and it, and it cripples Christians too. Then there's doubt. Holly left it open-ended. She doesn't even know where this story is going to end. And there's probably, if she's honest, doubt there. How many of you are, doubter, are doubters here? None of you are raising your hand? Oh, you're not doubters. You're raising your hand. Good for you. You put it up. Doubt cripples people. When should I say what I need to say or, or say what I feel like I should say? When should I talk about Jesus? When should I not mention Jesus? Can't I just love really well and the rest will take care of itself? When do I take stances on issues? And how do I communicate my stances on issues without being dwindled down to an anti-blank person? Doubt and fear cripple Christians. And that's our enemy's game plan to keep our faith, keeping our faith right here. The good news is we've got a good and greater God. And he's got a game plan of how we can respond to this. If you've got your Bibles, please open up to Philippians 2. If you don't have Bibles, we'd love to send you home with one. Bibles can be found on the back tables as you leave. Please take one free of charge this morning. We're going to be reading Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. And this is Paul writing these words, so follow with me on the screen. <clears throat> is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor 
and gave him the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Fear and doubt can cripple us. It can cripple our faith. It can cripple our, our effectiveness of proclaiming the gospel. But the good news is God's got a game plan. And part so crucial to that game plan is this, and there's a place for you to write this in your notes. Bold and courageous faith, which is something we should all be aspiring to. Bold and courageous faith is found in a posture of humility. Posture is a, is a flexible word. If you've been around here at ECC, you've heard us talk about posture oftentimes in, in the sense of our heart for worship. You hear us say that your posture of worship might look different from the person to the left or to the right of you or the person behind you, and that's okay. But what should be central to that posture is a desire for God. And posture of humility is likewise. Your posture of humility might look different from the person to the left and to the right and behind, and that's okay. But what needs to be central and core to your posture of humility is one thing, and this text gets to the heart of it. It's a desire to imitate Jesus Christ, to have like-mindedness with him and how he went about building the kingdom. And I think this um, text gives three postures of humility that we need to put on, do our broken best to put on by God's grace. The first is this. A bold and courageous faith requires humility and transparency. Like you two did in transparency. Paul, in verses 6 and 7, he says this, Though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, Jesus gave up the divine, his divine privilege and took up the humble position of a slave. Jesus took on a posture of transparency. He did not shy away from who he was. He was the son of God who came not to be served, but to what? But to serve. Transparency for us should be similar. We cannot cling, or we should cling to who we are. Sons and daughters of the king, that's who we are. But our inheritance wasn't granted to us, wasn't given to us by what we've done, not what we haven't done or shouldn't have done, or anything else. It was given on one thing and one thing alone. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's our inheritance. And that needs to be our banner. Humility requires of us transparency, like both of them shared. It's allowing other people into our own mess, into our own brokenness, into our own issues, into our own struggles. Because here's the deal. One of the worst things we have done to ourselves is set up these misconceptions that we've got it all figured out. What a turnoff. Who wants to hang out with people who have it all figured out? Who wants to? Christina doesn't. I don't. Humility requires that we enter into the brokenness and are transparent about it. Because it's under that humility that the cross is elevated to its rightful place. Second thing is this. A bold and courageous faith requires humility and treatment. At, At the beginning of these verses, Paul asks some tough questions. He'll say, are your hearts tender Are your hearts compassionate? And I think Paul here is assuming everybody who's reading is like, well, yeah, of course I'm tender and compassionate. Then he says, good. Then love one another. Then work towards unity. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble and think of others better than yourselves. 
Here's my moment of transparency, at least for this morning, my big one. I am extremely selfish. I am an extremely selfish person. As I've reflected back on my life and my relationships, I notice a growing trend that I hope to get something out of everything. I hope there's a transaction that happens. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, that there's a give or take. And that has no part in the kingdom. There's no part of that in the kingdom. And every day I'm saying, Lord, help me out, because you know I need it. Help me out. And, and I know that it's a ridiculously difficult thing to do. But I'm also convinced that it's the way of Jesus Christ. And so I'm asking, God, by your grace, help me to love without, with no strings attached. Help me to give with no strings attached. Help me to listen with no strings attached. Final thing is this. A bold and courageous faith requires humility through trial. Paul says this, verses 7 and 8, he says, When Jesus appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. We mention this on a semi-regular basis here at ECC, that why on earth can we or should we expect non-Christians to play by our rules? Why should we do that? That's not fair. There's no common ground with non-Christians to follow the boundaries that we try to set up for ourselves. Why do we do that? It's not fair. Do you want to know where we have common ground with everybody? And you both got to it. It's in hardships. It's in trials. Everybody has them. Christians and non-Christians alike, if you haven't, you will, if you, and, and you will again. It's going to happen. And for non-Christians, hardships and trials are scary dark, lonely places. For Christians, the encouragement, the challenge, is while hardships and challenges are difficult things to go through, they should be moments of joy and hope. And the best opportunities we have to share our faith because we can express the joy that we have amidst, in the thick of what we're going through. And I've mentioned this before, that is contagious. People want joy. People want hope. And when they see that, they will ask you questions because they want it to. Fear and doubt are going to creep in. Know it, expect it, be ready for it. That's the enemy's game plan. Fear and doubt. But know that we've got a God who desires humility on our end as we go about our lives. I want to close on a story. Uh, a few weeks back, I was at, uh, we, my family has a, a membership at the YWCA in our neighborhood. And I was working out there, and I noticed um, that they had a few new banners that they placed in the workout area. These were bold and courageous proclamations of the things they wanted to be and aspire to, things they wanted to see happen. And I'm going to read them off. YWCA, they are out to um, see things like racial and gender equality. Economic independence for women, respect for diverse cultures, a place where children and youth thrive, and a community that is vibrant and healthy. Wow. That is a list. And I want to see that happen. I want to see those things happen. As Christians, we should want to see those things happen too. But I don't want to be another club. And I don't want to be another program. And I don't want to be part of the YWCA or the YMCA. I want to be part of the kingdom. And so the question is, what is the difference between the YWCA and the kingdom? What's the difference? 
And the difference is simple. The difference is Easter. They stopped telling the story. They stopped. It's up to us to continue sharing the story. And the minute that Jesus and the Easter story is, stays here is the minute we become the why. And I don't want to be the why. I want to be the church. And I want people to know and be convinced of God's great love for them, of God's great grace for them, of God's great plans for them. And I want people to know that he is risen. Amen to that. I want to bring Chris up. I want to leave you with a blessing. Uh, this comes from Joshua 1.9. This is something I, I tell myself, recite every morning because I need it. And this is God speaking to Joshua here, and this is God speaking to you this morning. Joshua 1.9, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for that challenge. Thank you. One of the things one of my mentors told me about the challenge of the Christian life is that you can't live the Christian life, Morris Boggins used to say. Christ has to live it through you. I, I was thinking this when I saw that slide. Can we put Tim's last slide up there? I mean, none of us can do this on our own. But Jesus did. The garden is a great example of this, isn't it? In transparency, we have Jesus of Nazareth recorded words. Father, if this cup can pass from me, you know, may it so. Yet, moving on to the next one, not my will, but thine be done. He was willing to put himself out there for out, without the return. And then through the trial, he was picked up in that garden. He was taken and hung on a cross. And on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's, that was what was embodied in Jesus of Nazareth. And today we want to give you an opportunity to respond to that through communion. And at communion, we commemorate that event, the cross and resurrection event. We commemorate that. Here are the words that were passed on by a person who believed this with all of his heart. He laid down his own life because he believed this, a guy named Paul. He writes these words referring to this event that we're commemorating when we come to the Lord's table. He said, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, this is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread, you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So every time we gather for communion, that, in fact, every time we gather, period, we commemorate what he did, who he was, what he did on the cross. And that's the event. That's the event that we commemorate. Here is the reality that we celebrate, and it's articulated here in 1 John chapter 1. This is the good news that we celebrate. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the good news. And this just hit me for the first time. I'm 45 years old. This hit me for the first time at the 9 o'clock service. Look what it says. When it says he cleanses our sin, it doesn't say he cleanses us from our uncleanliness. Isn't that what you'd expect it to say? You know, like sin has stained us. Now he cleanses us from our uncleanliness. That happens. That's only part of it. He cleanses us from all, say it with me, unrighteousness. What is unrighteousness? It's not rightness. God wants to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants to live that life through us. 
to enable us to not only live up to this challenge, but all the challenges he puts before us. To change us so much from the inside out that we can proclaim with authenticity this good news. So I want to invite you today to pray with me. We, with, when it comes to communion, we offer at our church what's called open communion. And that means the only person that's going to keep you from the Lord's table is you. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to sign on to, to um, anything specific here. But what we do ask is that you do it in sincerity. If you can sincerely pray these prayers that we're about to pray, we would not only invite, we would welcome you to join us at the Lord's table, to receive this cleansing from all unrighteousness. We would, we would welcome you to join us. So we encourage you to pray, and then when we're done praying, I'm going to have the, uh, the communion servers and the prayer team come forward. I'll serve them. One team will go off to the side there. One team will go off to the side there. And then instead of an usher telling you to come forward, one of the things we do at this church is we ask it to be a deliberate decision on your part. So when you see that they're in place, we would encourage you to just stand up and come forward down the center aisle and receive uh, from the Lord with us. So let's pray together. Let's prepare our hearts. Let's prepare our minds to receive the heart and mind of Christ. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open and all desires are known, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive, but say the word and we will be made clean. Please continue to pray with you. Father, we pray that, that you will not only cleanse us so that we're clean. We thank you for that. What a miraculous thing. How, how amazing is it that though our sins were like scarlet, you wash us white as snow. We don't want to take away from that one bit. What an amazing thing that is. Father, beyond that, what an amazing thing it is that you want to cleanse us from all that is not right, all that is out of alignment. The fear and the doubt and the inability and the lack of strength and all those things. So, Father, we invite you as we come forward and literally receive this bread and this juice into our bodies. Father, may we be changed as you flood into us more and more and change our hearts and change our minds, making us more like you. Lord, thank you for the challenge that we received. Thank you that you responded to that challenge perfectly. So we invite you into our imperfect, broken lives. We invite you to change us and, and make something beautiful out of us. And Father, now we pause to pray a prayer that's been handed down from the lips of your son. A prayer that you taught, he taught his disciples to pray. And that we still pray today. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go forth, let me pray a blessing over us. Father, the specific blessing that I'd like to pray over all of us here today is that we would get that line that we just sung about everything I need is in you. Lord, may that not be Christianese, may that not be a slogan, or it may, it, may it be a reality that is deeper than the air that we breathe. May it be something we, we believe in more than, than rocks, mountains, the, anything that we consider reality. May that, may that become a, the deepest truth that we know, that everything we need is in you. Bless us with that deep, deep understanding as we go forth. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.